Hey guys, just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Sidebar Forever. If you like the show, please subscribe to us at sidebarforever.com as well as share episodes of the podcast on your social media. That way, new listeners can find us as well. Oliver Stone's Platoon is the classic 1986 Vietnam War movie that brought home the truest reality of the conflict ever committed to film. Written and directed by Stone and starring Charlie Sheen, Willem Dafoe, and Tom Berenger, the film is lauded for its accuracy in portraying not just violent firefights in harsh jungles, but the brutality against the Vietnamese people as well as the loss of innocence amongst young soldiers. The film's story is semi-autobiographical in that writer-director Oliver Stone enlisted in the army in 1967 and requested combat duty in Vietnam. Platoon won four Academy Awards in 1987, including Best Picture as well as Best Director for Stone. The film has also inspired countless homages and parodies since its release. I'm Adrian Johnson, and Dwight and Swain are with me today as we discuss and celebrate the 35th anniversary of Oliver Stone's Platoon. In 1967, Oliver Stone was a combat infantryman in Vietnam. He was wounded twice and received a medal for gallantry in action. Ten years later, he was a Hollywood screenwriter and the winner of an Oscar. But even after many successes, Stone still had another story to tell. A movie that grew out of his own experience. Stone has come a long way from Vietnam, but he has not left it behind. casualty of war is innocence. The first real movie about the war in Vietnam is Platoon. <laughs> so, so fellas, I was, um, I was rereading a uh, memoir by Oliver Stone, uh, last week or earlier this week, um, when I finished it, okay. uh, called Chasing the Light. Uh, it came out in late uh, 2020. And um, in it, uh, the culmination of the book is um, his life and career right up until the making of Platoon and it winning the Academy Awards and all of that, right? Right. And so when I finished it, you know, I sat back and thought about it. I said, you know, 86, 2021, you know, it's the 35th anniversary of Platoon itself. Nice. You know? So with that, 
I thought uh, and also since um, Swain had suggested, you know, a little while ago that we should maybe do a uh, episode dedicated to Vietnam War movies and that whole genre. And I thought, well, maybe that'd be a good time. So, you know, Swain suggested, well, why don't we tackle Platoon itself and then we'll do a two parter. The uh, additional part would be on Vietnam movies as a genre and we'll get specific to those movies. But for this episode here, I want to talk about Platoon, the classic 1986 Vietnam movie starring Charlie Sheen, Tom Berenger, Willem Dafoe, and a cast of up-and-coming talent such as Forrest Whitaker, Kevin Dillon, Keith David, John C. McGinley, and Johnny Depp. Directed and written by Oliver Stone, and it won four Academy Awards, including Best Picture for 1986, uh, Best Director for Stone, and also for Sound and Editing. And it became a cultural phenomenon like none other, you know, in mm -hmm. many, many ways, you mm -hmm. know. And it finally brought to light, in the truest sense, according to many veterans who saw the movie, that's the closest on film that Hollywood has gotten to really expressing what it felt like to be there in Vietnam. I believe it. And, you know, yeah. yeah, and veterans were saying, you know, the lights would come up and it was reported that veterans would still be sitting there 20 minutes afterwards crying and in tears, Damn. you know, trying to process this, mm, mm. you know. there I, I'd even read an anecdote that some of the veterans were actually, like, ducking you know, Damn. from hearing like the shots in the movie because it was taking them back, you Damn. know, to that time and everything. Mm. So it definitely, you know, crossed all sorts of strata. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And even in 2019, it was selected by the Library of Congress for the National Film Registry as being, quote, culturally, historically and aesthetically significant. Nice. So th this is a movie on so many levels that is definitely um, not just classic, but in the best sense, in the best war movies, it's anti-war. You know, even with all of its um, violence and so forth. Sure. It definitely is anti-war. And it's the first Hollywood movie about Vietnam that was actually written and directed by an actual veteran, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. with uh, Oliver Stone. Yeah. So with that. Let, let, let's let's start let's start here um for you guys when was the first time that you saw platoon and also being i was just a young guy <laughs> i was six at the time it came out you guys were a bit older than me were you guys aware of like the the um not the hoopla but the cultural you know impact that platoon was having around that time because i do remember it being featured on like know certain news channels and stuff like good morning america i do remember that much at the time of release so what, what about you guys i think uh for, for i think the first time i became aware of it and oddly enough this is you know this is 35 years ago yeah. um and i probably was more aware of people referencing it on variety shows <clears throat> and you know the movie came out in 86 and there have been countless other movies oh. that have been homages to it, but then there were also parodies to Platoon. And so, you know, you see on variety shows, people would make references to it. Um, you know, people would, you know, would throw out that Barnes quote, well, I'd like to hear about it, potheads, you know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Jay Moore, there you go. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you know, things like that. So even though we were, you know, way ahead of, you know, decades ahead of memes and, and things going viral and, and things becoming popular in another place, um, I was probably aware of it that way. And then probably saw the movie a few years after that. So I was probably in okay. my 20s when I finally got a chance to see it. And I'm pretty sure I saw it on, uh, on VHS. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I saw it on VHS. Um, as a matter of fact, I would say this most recent viewing uh, yesterday was probably only the second time I've ever seen it in its in its totality. You know. Oh wow! Okay. You know, from the first frame to the to the last frame, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. so that that's probably where I stand with it. Yeah, um, for me, um, of course, I was I don't know maybe maybe 16 then I think at the time. Um, mm-hmm. and I didn't really, um, it wasn't on my radar. I saw all the individualized hoopla and things of that nature, but I found, I found, uh, war movies in particular, like real war movies. Oh, I can watch fictional Star Wars movies all day. But I, yeah. but, I but I, I found that, um, that the absence of a really truly good versus evil situation, except for the two, you know, antagonists, which are each other's pro- protagonists of Barnes and, and, uh, and, uh, Elias, Elias um, mm-hmm. you know, like like I'm I'm of the age now where I can truly appreciate the the the, the psychodrama that was going on along in it as well as the as well as the uh, the war as a backdrop for what was going on. Um, it, it seemed to me like it was just a matter of uh, the more you stayed over there, and I heard this often from veterans in my family. But the more the more you stayed over there, the more you sunk deeper into it, the more you became mm. desensitized to what was going on. You could see that happening in, from you know from uh, Martin Sheen's character. You know how you know um, well, Charlie, Charlie Sheen. Sheen. Charlie Sheen is his son. Charlie Sheen's character. How he just descended into madness. You know, and yeah. and and became a and became a um a, almost like a cowboy to some degree. Like he went in, he went in guns blazing. You know, went 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 into mm-hmm. the, final, the final skirmish, final battle. And I was like, wow. I mean, how things have changed. You know, and I realized the tour was only. So they said at the beginning of the tour was like three hundred and sixty days, three hundred and. And he was, I, don't know, I don't know how long he proceeded in, you know, in, during that time period to get to where he became, but um, I guess to answer your question to, uh, sufficiently, it would be, uh, like Swain says, for me, I didn't see it when I was a kid. I do love it because I would see newspaper spreads, and it was like, mm-hmm. it was like um, big black and white, that, 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 um, that helmet with the, uh, with the dog tags hanging from it, or... You know Elias and his like Jesus Christ, Jesus uh, uh, messianic oh, yeah. messianic fall. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, that was incredible, man. It, that that of itself was like it, it. Kind of I knew I knew something that I should, probably should be I should see, but I knew then my family being that you know uh, one of my uncles in particular was a paratrooper um, mm. in Vietnam, and and it kind of it kind of screwed him up. So I really wasn't wow. interested in reliving that whole thing. You know, um, so you know. That's, uh, that's where I stand as far as first first viewing of it goes. Now, like I said before we started, I had seen it on TNT. I didn't watch it in its entirety because it looked it looked extremely like sanitized. And I, I have very little tolerance, even then, for commercials. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so I just I you know I, I probably lost interest because there was no there was no pew 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 no no Star Wars no spaceships no no damsel <laughs> no no damsel in distress you know but yeah. uh, you know no immediate. Um, uh, eye candy to attach on to so yeah but i appreciate more now as adults than ever <laughs> well well for myself um i 
I recalled it not obviously at the time of release because as I mentioned I was a young young dude then at six mm-hmm. but you know I was even then starting to be interested in like military stuff and I think it had to do with like the climate of the time too just right. how the country itself was very very jingoistic you know very militaristic you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying so oh, I was yeah. already as a kid you know really digging into that stuff but mm-hmm. you know I saw a bit of the movie when I was like eight or nine. And it was like nine o'clock as the Sunday night ABC movie. <laughs> okay. And nine o'clock, it's about time to go to bed. Right. So my dad is kind of like, no, nah, you got to go. You got to go to bed. Right. You know what I'm saying? But even in bed, I would hear from the living room, doom, do, 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 do. You know, that type of stuff. I, I, I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> dang, yo, come right. on, man. Light, light him up. <laughs> fire in the but, hole, um, fire in the hole. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. So I'm hearing all that. I'm like, man, what am I missing? Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it really wasn't until I was a teenager, and like you, like you, Swiss, um, I had gotten a copy on VHS. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, as a teenager, and I, and I, this is when I was about maybe about sixteen, mm. sixteen, and. uh I was like, man, because by then I was fully aware of like the history of the war and other wars and, you know, fully immersed in like, you know, war movies and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it Mm -hmm. it just really, really hit me, man, really hit me, Mm. you know, uh, just from the detail of, you know, the performances of the actual costuming. Like it just seemed like there was such a veracity to it that it it was just undeniable, Mm -hmm. you know, and you could sense it. Mm-hmm. You could feel it. It was palpable. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So since then, I've seen it innumerable, innumerable times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all the quotes you can name, all the the scenes I, I know them by heart, but it never fails after each viewing to hit me the same exact way. Mm. Every single time. Mm. Every single time. It's just, it's very gritty, man. I mean, it's just, it's it's like... Like you, you feel like you're dropped right into the heart of of of, of, the, of the of the Viet Cong War, like and you see like you're you're right there in the middle of it, dude. It's like, for the very for one of the very first things I recall is like when they're running through the, the the tall bush and trying to cut the bush down with the knives, and and how close the camel was up on it, and and how you see they're like they're like like just trying to fight their way through it, and and the, and the red ants eating you know eating it at, at Sheen's on his neck and things like like that, and how. You can just stumble upon things like that in the jungle situation that, you know, these things are living, these creatures are living there too, you know, and mm-hmm. you're, a tr- you're a total disadvantage because you come from a place that, you know, that, that pretty much trims their verge everywhere you go, you know, but, but uh, going in there, man, it's like going into a freaking jungle movie, dude, it was, just, it was, it was hardcore terrain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and you know, um, Stone, he intended it that way, mm-hmm. you know, he had actually started a uh, screenplay uh, called Break um, Mm -hmm. soon after he arrived back home in 1969, which is notable for not only being kind of a precursor to Platoon, but it was also a script that he had sent to Jim Morrison. Mm. And he had actually intended for Jim Morrison to take a look at hopefully starring. Oh, yeah. But when, yeah, yeah. And supposedly it was actually in um, in um, in the room where Jim Morrison died. And, and that's not just something that was just for <laughs> the Doors movie. Like, wow. that's true. Really? But, okay. Right, exactly. But when he didn't get a response back, he reworked it and started bringing in other things. And he came up with a script later called The Platoon. Okay. Um, about 1976. 
and he started shopping that around and it was starting to get some traction out there in Hollywood. Like people were reading this and just saying, this is a very good script, but the climate's not right now for us to make this, mm. you know, but you started having other movies coming out around that time, like coming home in 78, the deer hunter also in 78, you know, on uh, the boys and company C also in 78 go tell the spartans also in 78 so around that time you started having vietnam movies being made but when you take a look at them none of them possessed like the true aspect of you know uh uh veracity that um oliver stone's script had right you know so eventually it did get made he was able to get it financed um actually low budget uh, I think it just cost $6 million to make and end up grossing well over $100 million, well wow. over that. Wow. I um, I was just going to throw in real quickly uh, from my reading, uh, like when Stone initially started shopping The Platoon, people were like, ah, I'm in a Vietnam movie, ah, yeah, because everybody yeah. was sensitive and there had been tons of protests, which was part of what sure. brought the war to an end because the American mm -hmm. people really were, you know, starting to lose... You know they were losing their support for the for the mm -hmm. for the effort, and right. then, and then you know Deer Hunter comes out, and Apocalypse Now comes out, and some of these other movies, and Deer Hunter and Apocalypse Now are considered big successes. So then mm -hmm. the, the tone flipped where it was like, ah, you know the best war Vietnam War movies have already been made. You know these movies right. have already been done. You know we don't want to retread you know new territory. But right. it just goes to show that you know here we are, Boys of Company C and. You know, and coming home, and all these other movies in the in the late seventies, going and going into it, you know, this was this is still considered the greatest piece of art as a totem to, you know, you know the war and and trying mm -hmm. to exemplify the things that happened and trying to portray it realistically, but also mm -hmm. you know to add some you know some uh, you know some art to the verisimilitude, you know, totally. Um, and, you know, the other thing I was going to say, too, is just like, you know, um, I think what would help the movie as well is it was uh, it's almost helped by its low budget. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Almost like you're having to go shoot there in the Philippines, you know, which, you know, is the beginning of the similarities between it and Apocalypse Now. You right. Know, both were shot in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. Except Apocalypse Now had this huge, huge, huge budget, you know, whereas Platoon did not. Mm -hmm. And. It's also helped by the performance of the the young cast too, mm -hmm. um, and and the fact that Platoon also marked the first time that there was a quote unquote training camp for the actors for these type of roles made there on site. Oh, wow, okay, you know, so the actors were brought out and <laughs> some of the actors protested like, "Hey, wait a minute, I got to talk to my agent." Stone said he sent them right home. Okay. He said, either you're in this. Yeah, he said, either you're in this platoon or you're not. So, oh, you're they too, took it very seriously. Oh, you're too pretty boy Floyd for this, bro. You go home next. <laughs> yeah, he said, <laughs> he said they had to send like two or three home. Wow. And they brought out, you know, two or three alternates to fit into those roles. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And he said over the course of those two or three weeks in that training camp, the really the platoon started to come together like the relationships of the characters really started to coalesce you know and the splits within the squad too right. you know between barnes's squad and kind of elias's squad mm -hmm. you know the heads and the straights you right. know what i mean right and, and stone was like i think this might actually work 
oh my god, I think this might actually work. Mm-hmm. And he said by the time they started shooting, like the first day of shooting is them trudging through the the jungle, cutting down you know the bamboo and everything, right. and going across the waterfall and climbing the hills. He said he had worked them to the point where they finally, realistically and truly, had that exhausted look. You know, mm-hmm. because Stone was like for himself to his experience. He said you you have to have that look like you haven't slept in a year, right? That type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, to go along with that, man. They uh, also, uh, I think the uh, the consultant on that was a military guy named Dale Die. And, uh, and they were talking about like depriving them of sleep, only giving them so much food. Uh, you know, when they'd be sleeping, you know, they would pop blanks, you know, mm-hmm. uh, over here. They was, you know, to keep them off off kilter, and to have them have, like you said, that dog eared, dog tired, you know, worn out, irritated, you know, angry, frustrated, you know, vibe that soldiers have, you know, in that particular situation. But one right. of the things I think that's a real feat to the this movie is is the fact that. You know, he had, you know, probably a quarter of the budget that Apocalypse Now had. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they shot this movie chronologically. So That's right. they mm-hmm. didn't shoot everything in the in the village and then shoot everything over here and then shoot everything over there and then shoot everything over here and then piece it together. Like Adrian said, when they started that that first shot where they're trudging through that goes into the next scene, which goes into the next scene, which goes into the next scene. So there is an emotional arc for those actors too by the time they get to mm-hmm. the end of it. But you know, you, you, you know, when you hear about that, you think, Oh, well, what's the big deal? That's very difficult to do. And it's very time consuming and more expensive. This might've been a $3 million movie mm-hmm. if they hadn't shot it that way. Cause they shot it, I think over like almost two months, but it would have been a, th- yep. might've been mm-hmm. a $3 million movie and they might've shot it in way less time. Had they made best use of this location for a week, best use of this location for a week, and then just pieced it all together, but they they didn't do that. So again, it's even more of a feat, uh, you know, to get this uh, this great film, um, you know, considering you know you know what they had to work with or what Stone had to work with. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's very interesting, man. Because I think you're right about that. I mean, to, for for a person to have to shoot things out of sequence, it, they never get a chance to really get a, a sense of gravity for the character they're trying to build. Mm-hmm. So, to, to, so keep it keep it keep the scene line, you know, keep it scene line and going going in the right direction. Once going consistent direction. Definitely, probably helps the you know the veracity of the situation, and it helps them feel like they're you know really progressing. They could, they could, if, they could, if you can, if they could picture in their mind, they could, they could do a lot better portraying it on the screen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's exactly and that's exactly um, Stone's intent. He said like um, after each scene, depending on who was killed, you know, he had he had, and there's a picture of his <laughs> of his kill list in yeah. his uh, in the book that I was mentioning earlier, uh, where he's cro- <laughs> where he's shown where he's crossed out the names. Like he has the date of the date um, of shooting that this person is gone, right? And so that way, it would be like the actors recounting in like a documentary. It's like you would see that person on the day of shooting, and if their character died, like they were gone. You didn't see them at the hotel the next morning. Stone said, "Once you are killed on screen, you're gone." Wow. And so that way, the the remaining actors can kind of fill that loss okay. and bring that to their portrayal on screen. Damn. Mm-hmm. You know. Which I think is just like you can see it, you can sense it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and, and just on on that tip, man, what did you guys think about the performances of the cast? I mean, you know, your, your, your three principals, you know, Sheen, Berenger, and Defoe, as well as the rest of the really young cast, man. I thought they're excellent, man. I mean, I, I you know I saw them, even though I knew who they were because I seen them in like movies as they were older. 
I thought they were all mm-hmm. very, very well, very well invested in the roles they were, they were trying to portray. I mean, I, this, this, this was, this was uh, uh, Forrest Whitaker before his eyes started to totally go like get limp. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? I'm not exactly the political way of saying it. You know what I mean? Hey man, don't blaspheme on on the the esteemed Forrest Whitaker man. I'm not the Forrest Whitaker man. I'm not the Forrest Whitaker man. That's my man. That's my man. You know. But you know what I'm saying? Like it was it was it was interesting to see in their younger personas and who they were as people and and you know Keith David in there, dude, and bunch of other actors like wow and this is this is this is really this is really uh, uh, good to see and interesting to see and, and kind of warming too because it's like there's always this thing in and and um in most films it's like okay you know the black guy's got to go first the black guy's got to die you know and and you know and, and it was there was none of that in the situation it wasn't like i i didn't see like a significant effort being made to 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 make those things a point of, of focus you know what i mean I mean, obviously, mm. during that time, there was, there was there was several like racial there was racial disharmony, and, and it was like the sixties. Oh, of course. So yeah, so yeah. you so you heard that in the dialogue too. I mean, especially that like that the dude named Junior. Hey, white boy, what you waiting for? That hole ain't gonna dig itself. Come on, boy, get your dick skin on that thing. Dig. We can got all day. Dig, dig. Junior was all about, you know. No, nah, man, mm-hmm. look, 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 look at the honkies over there. It's like you, you know, you just, you know, <laughs> you know. I was like, wow, wow. That rebel That's music. Real. Yeah, yo. Yeah, we yeah. don't want no marijuana. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh man! But but, but I, I did find I did find it um, like you know I guess at any point when you could, when you when you're there was a weird there was a weird part man I don't quite understand it was like either um, somebody was like urinating off the edge of the uh, off the edge of the base. And someone would some other dude would go over there and check him out while he's urinating or something like that. Dude, like, what, what, like what? Or you know you know what I'm talking about like there was a scene where yeah that was yeah. um yeah yeah that that was Elias that that was shot from a different angle if okay. you remember like a few beats later uh it's Johnny Depp's character talking to Elias okay it's like and, and Elias is saying something to him like whatever whatever uh, can, can, you know can, what can, can, can can I do piss and pee show I mean what, what's up you know <laughs> <laughs> no man shit everybody that together yo I mean you saw the dude like he's trying to eat his sea rash and some dude dips his finger and he's like. It's more hot sauce, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Yeah, man. Oh man, but but you know what really worked for that man? What's that? Um, what did you guys think of like Charlie Sheen's narration? And, and again, this is another similarity to Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas his father Martin Sheen, his character had narration in that movie, and Sheen has it in this movie. And I thought there were a couple of bits of narration that were very very strong, mm-hmm. especially him talking about the grunts. Mm-hmm. You know, grunt can take it. They can take anything. I guess I've been always been sheltered and special. I just want to be anonymous, like everybody else. Do my share for my country. Live up to what Grandpa did in the first war, and Dad did in the second. Well, here I am, anonymous, all right, with guys nobody really cares about. They come from the end of the line, most of them. Small towns you never heard of. Pulaski, Tennessee. Brandon, Mississippi. Pork Band, Utah, Wampum, Pennsylvania. Two years high school is about it. Maybe if they're lucky, a job waiting for them back in a factory. But most of them got nothing. They're poor, they're the unwanted. Yet they're fighting for our society and our freedom. It's weird, isn't it? At the bottom of the barrel, and they know it. Maybe that's why they call themselves grunts. Because a grunt can take it, can take anything. They're the best I've ever seen, Grandma. Right. They're the best I've ever seen. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? From Port Bend, Utah. You know, Pulaski, Tennessee. Just, oh, man. Like, every time the rain's coming down, you just see, like, these guys really, they're, 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 they're like from, from the dregs of America, so to speak, but right. they're here. Well, you know what I'm saying? Oh, to your point, to your point, all of them were except for him. He was a college boy. He chose to come. Right. You know, so it's thing like in the beginning, he was talking to his grandma about how I want to stand up and do something for the family. I want to be a, I want to, I want to find a purpose in life. And this is going to teach me to have a sense of purpose. And he gets there and he's like, it's, you know, um, at the end, or close to the end, um, 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 Keith Davis' character is talking to him, and he's like, you know, you don't write letters to grandma anymore. You, you, don't, you don't, nobody to talk to, nobody to write to anymore. It's like he's like, nah, nah. <laughs> it's like, damn, bro, they broke your spirit. You're like, you know, you're no longer interested in, in being a, chronicling this shit. You know, but you want to, you want to get out of this man, out of this man's war as soon as possible. You know. So it was, yeah, it was, it was exactly. interesting. It was interesting. Man, what, what about you, Swiss? Uh, Sheen, I thought Sheen did uh, remind me of his dad in many places. Just seeing him. You know, with this, uh, you know, this fresh face and the mm-hmm. chalk of hair on his head mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. and walking around without his shirt on like his dad kind of did for part of the time in Apocalypse Now. That's and, true. And, yeah. then, and I, I didn't actually remember the voiceover until it started happening. And I was like, oh, this really is, uh, you know, kind of giving me, you know, Martin Sheen vibes uh, as it relates to, to the two. But um, but yeah, I thought that was great. And also... Like, well, the part that he's where he starts talking about, you know, like kind of what he doesn't really say is, is that the military exploits the poorest mm. and those who have the least amount of options. Uh, they really don't want the smartest. They really don't want the most skillful. They don't want people who are going to turn into, if they aren't already, individuals. They want right. people who are going to go in and be a cog or wheel in the machine and help the machine keep going. And even uh, Barnes's character says that later on, you want to be an individual, but when you become an individual, guess what? The machine breaks down. Mm-hmm. And when the machine breaks down, we break we down. We break right. down. Yeah. Right. So I, he didn't really say that, but I thought that that was, that was an interesting point that he was talking about. Like you're saying, everybody coming from small towns and not really having a whole lot, you know, going on in their lives and a lot of options per se. Um but the rest of the cast, I mean, you mentioned the principals and, and also Forrest Whitaker, uh, Adrian playing Big Harold. Uh, Big Kevin, Dillon, Kevin Dillon is in it as, as the, the really ruthless and kind of crazy bunny. Uh, oh, yeah. John C. Oh, McGinley yes. as, as the uh, crestfallen O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> hey, O'Neill, take a break. Can't be an asshole all the time. <laughs> uh, he wasn't in it much, but Johnny Depp is learner. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and also, this is what I really loved was uh, Tony Todd as Warren. Yeah, Candyman. Yeah. Candyman, yo, yeah, Candyman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and even he was giving me vibe. He was giving me uh, uh, um, uh, the rock vibes. I want the go. money. I came here for the money. <laughs> that y'all was like i just wanted him to say it yo almost felt like i wanted that to be the character from the rock and he survived and got back and then he hooked up with ed harris he's like i'm here for the money man i got fucked up and numb I was absolutely waiting for it. Just waiting for it. And he never did. He never gave it. Uh, 
and uh, Keith, Keith David as as uh, as King, and then also, yeah. and I kept wondering. I'm watching the movie. I'm like, who is this Puff Daddy looking dude that I recognize? And then I realized that it was Corey Glover, the lead singer of uh, yeah. Liv- in Living Color. Yeah, yeah. And That's I was right. like, God damn, you know, yeah, they had everybody. Yeah, but turns <laughs> you, out he was he, too, man. Oh no, he was excellent. He was excellent, yeah. and I understand that yeah. he was an aspiring actor. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. When Vernon Reed met him and then invited him to 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 join the band and and, and everything took off from there. That might be his only his only acting role. But right. um, maybe. But I will say this, man, about the cast. One of the things I really liked was I do think that there was a sense of camaraderie amongst them. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there was there's a particularly uh, uh, well known uh, issue that a black journalist took with how the black soldiers were were characterized, but yeah, that's how it would have been back then, yeah. at least yeah. from what I can tell. You know, we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna be with them, and we're gonna we you know we all out here together, so we can call them white boys and crackers and all that stuff. Yeah. But then we're gonna go over here and we're gonna be by ourselves, and we're gonna talk about what's how this is affecting us and how we feel like we're over here fighting essentially a quote white man's war over here shooting at uh, at, at Asian people and trying and killing Asian people when you know we get back home we. We're going to be shown even less respect than than they will when they get back, mm-hmm. right. you know, uh, for other reasons than that. So I thought that I thought that was that was great, and I wanted to make note too. Um, one of the things that maybe I don't know if we're going to get to some of the artistic choices that Stone made as a director in terms sure. of shooting, yeah. but I thought that it was really powerful was the uh, that opening sequence. Where you see the uh, the plane land and the, and the doors yeah. open, yes, yo. and yes. the mm-hmm. the young soldiers come off, and Charlie Sheen is amongst them as as Chris Taylor, and mm-hmm. they looked like Boy Scouts. Yes, yes, teenagers yes. Fresh, fresh out of high school, man. Literally, plane, yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, they mm-hmm. looked like Boy Scouts, and I was just yeah. like, Jesus, yeah. you know. Uh, so that that really stuck with me. So, and and I, I'll, I'll cap it off by saying, as far as the uh, the cast is concerned. Um, at first, when I started doing a little bit of reading, because I just wanted to kind of get a sense of where everybody's careers were at the time, mm. nobody had done too much of anything mm. prior to mm. this. Uh, Keith David had done two films, one of which was The Thing. Okay. Right. You know, prior to this, you know. Um, Charlie Sheen was, this same year, Ferris Bueller came out, so he's in that. You know, as right. the guy in the, in, the, in the police station, but he'd done like, right. a, you know, couple, mm-hmm. some small things before that. Willem Dafoe hadn't done much. Um, is it Mark Moses who played uh, the lieutenant? That's right. Is that his mm-hmm. name? This was his yes. first feature mm-hmm. film. Oh, wow. Really? This, okay. this I is didn't his, This is his first feature film. Johnny Depp hadn't done hardly anything. Tony Todd had done maybe two things. Corey Glover, again, I think this was his first and only role that, that I could mm-hmm. tell. And John C. McGinley hadn't done much. And then it made mm-hmm. sense That's to right. me that if you're going to hire young actors to play young soldiers they would be young in life and young in their tenure as actors too and just wouldn't have much of a uh much of a resume to speak of at that point but i don't think they were any worse for it at all i think they all brought mm-hmm. you know brought you know game and really and really you know did the damn thing so mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you know also the, the thing to note is is like you know I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about them coming off in that very opening scene you know with them stepping off the back of the c-130 you know and you see you know what, the stuff that i've read you know, just in other books the first thing that hits you when you step off the plane in vietnam that 
every veteran says is it's the smell and the heat and the mud and the dust. Mm -hmm. That's exactly mm -hmm. what is portrayed here in that opening scene. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was very, very telling, too, that, you know, um, Taylor, as he's walking, he passes by almost what could be a specter of himself coming back if he survives the tour. That soldier with the very deep, hollowed eyes, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, looking like a shell of mm -hmm. himself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's almost like looking at a specter of, damn, is that going to be me if I survive? Yeah. yeah. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. You know, and that's a quote to start off the movie. You know, um, I wish I had written it down, but something like rejoicing your youth, young man or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what that's what it is. You know, this youth being put into the meat grinder here. Yeah. And if you make it out, you will forever be changed, you know. Ex absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. No, uh, you're, you're right, man. I, I, the, back to that, that opening sequence where the, the youth they're coming off the plane and, and they're young and, 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 and strapping, ready to go, straight, straight out of boot camp, with no real, no actual military experience, no kind of real, no real, nothing can wreck, nothing can make them ready for what they're about to experience. And then you see the new, the new guys are coming in and the dead guys are going on. So the body bags are, mm -hmm. are going on the plane as, as soon as the new guys are coming off. And they're stepping over them and, you know, the rigor mortis hasn't set in yet, so their bodies are still pliable. And it's just, it's just wow. It's like, wow, what the fuck are we getting into here? You know? <laughs> yeah. You know? It's like, yeah. you know, this, this is no man's war. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and that that brings the point, too. There's, there's um, a couple of sequences to where I think the youthfulness of the actors, you know, really help these two scenes. Um, the first one is when they set up the um, the ambush at the beginning, mm. you know, where they go off and they set up in the jungle or whatnot, mm -hmm. and it's raining and everything. You kind of have a montage, you know, as, um, you know, Sheen is talking about the grunts. And you see, like, all the newest recruits, the sergeants are having to go around to them and say, pop the claymore like this. You know, make sure you have this. Mm -hmm. Don't don't fall asleep. Mm -hmm. Things like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And you see, like, Taylor, he wakes up in the middle of the night. You know, ants are biting at him. Mm -hmm. He even has, like, I don't, I don't even know if they were real, but he has, like, welts so, from, like, yeah. mosquitoes biting yeah. him and everything. I was like, oh, the detail in this was, yeah. oh, man. Yeah. It really set you there. So he puts the towel over his head to cover himself from all this stuff. Yeah. He opens it up a bit. And he sees, like, a bush. He thinks, mm -hmm. then a bush moves and waves. Oh man, the lighting on that! And, and at first, I you can see Sheen kind of like, am I uh, am, am I right? Sleep? Am I do, dreaming? Do this? I have some kind of jungle fever, or am I? Is right. this some yeah. kind of a fever dream? You know, right. exactly. So he's looking around like, does anybody else see this? Everybody else is knocked out. Right. Junior was supposed to be yes. on point. Yes, looking. He's right. supposed yes. to be on on watch. He's yeah. asleep, and everything else is out of Taylor's reach. The M16s, the claymores, the right. grenades. So he's just stuck there with this towel on his head, and North Vietnamese are walking ever closer. Right. And just the tension of the music ramping up, yeah. ramping up, ramping up, and they're almost on him. And you see like this scared visage just sitting right. there in the bush, just like, oh my god, right. And then somebody has a presence of mind to blow the claymores and then, you know, ward off the uh, North Vietnamese. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it happens that suddenly. That's the other thing that I liked about um, Stone's directing in this. Because combat, from what I've read, happens very suddenly. Oh, yeah. You know, it could be all peaceful one second and then that self-same second, 
a sniper will shoot or something else will pop off and then you're in it. And mm-hmm. the firefights are over very quickly. It's nothing protracted like, you know, you would see in a lot of Hollywood films. Oh, yeah. Like where it goes on and on and on. Right. No. Most of the time, contact usually would be like five minutes here, ten minutes there, and then they're gone. Yeah. Like they melt so, it back into the jungle. Uh, as, it, yeah. as it relates to that, um, um, I was watching a documentary and they were mentioning that, you know, the, um, the North Vietnamese, their tactic would typically be, we're going to attack, we're going to fight for 15 minutes or so, and then we're going to slip away into the jungles and into the tunnels. So mm-hmm. it would be quick spurts like that. And if you recall back to uh, Ho Chi Minh, you know, when he was talking about the war and how to defeat a, a larger enemy, he says, if a tiger is fighting an elephant, he says, yes, the elephant can sit on the tiger and crush it. But if mm-hmm. the tiger keeps moving, the elephant can't sit on him. And if the tiger right. jumps mm-hmm. on his back and claws him enough times, the elephant will bleed to death. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so he was actually talking about, I think, France at the time when uh, when they were fighting with France. Mm-hmm. But That's right. it's mm-hmm. that same idea of, you know, it's guerrilla tactics. You know, if you're smaller, okay, you're faster, you're quicker, you're more agile. If you, someone is your opponent is bigger, they're slower, they're more lumbersome. And so you use your weaknesses, you know, supposed weaknesses as your uh, as your strengths. Mm hmm. Mm, so. Exactly, exactly. And, and the other scene that I was going to mention, too, um, what was going to be, you know, the village itself, the village scene. But the precursor to that, you know, that kind of had a double meaning for me, so to speak, was when they find the bunker complex, you know what I'm saying? And there's a booby trap there set by the North Vietnamese and it uh, kills two of uh, Barnes' squad. Mm-hmm. And you see Barnes just kind of like, you know, He's not overly emotional, but those were the guys that were in his hooch. Right. You know, that's part of his squad. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it hit him hard. Right. And so he's already on edge about that. And then they had already sent Taylor and this other guy, this other brother named Manny, you know, out to, you know, watch on the perimeter. Right. Taylor came back, but Manny didn't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Manny doing the curls yeah. ah, with a, with a do rag ah. on. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, man. And then when they finally find Manny, mm-hmm. you know, they they find him. And, and when they find him, I don't know about you guys, but it kind of put me in the um, sense of when you see like those old photos of like lynching. Yeah, you know, here in America. Yeah. yeah. Back in like, you know, the late 1800s, definitely the early 1900s. You know what I'm saying? That's what it felt like. You know what I'm saying? And then for the camera to kind of pan across everyone's faces, Mm -hmm. both white and black, and Mm -hmm. it ends up on bars. Mm -hmm. Them motherfuckers. You just know it's going to end poorly. You just know he has nothing but vengeance on his mind. And even the narration by Sheen was saying... This village that might have stood for a thousand years had no idea we were coming that day. Mm -hmm. And I like how Stone put in it like he was saying that Barnes was kind of like the Captain Ahab. Mm -hmm. You know, he was the center of their rage. You know what I'm saying? Making that allusion to, you know, Captain Ahab and Moby Dick. And I thought once they get into the village and what happens there, that's when the performances of that cast really coalesced, mm-hmm. especially the, the youthful guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Kevin Dillon as Bunny. Oh, my God. I want to I keep the shit out of him, dude. Yeah. I yeah. mean, just 
it just it, it really felt like because especially like <laughs> there were a couple guys there like southern boys yep. you know like um what was it somebody was like yeah like exactly like random yeah, let's just shoot a whole village yeah. damn right he does <laughs> right. damn right he does right. shut the hell up right. Right. <laughs> yeah it's ready are you are, yeah, you, but are even, you smiling? What are you smiling at? And do and do do is like he's 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 mentally handicapped. You can tell. He really is. You know, yeah, like he really and, was. You know, yeah. it's, like, it's like man, come on, man, leave, leave this guy alone, man. And 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 uh, she just went off, man. You know, he he went unhinged and just, and just started, you know, you know like you know, you, wanna, you think it's funny? You want to dance? Dance. What's the matter with you? I wasn't gonna hurt you. Look like I was gonna fucking hurt you. Why didn't you listen to me, huh? Why? Why didn't you fucking listen to me? Fucking stupid. Stupid asshole! Get the fuck out here! Come here, motherfucker! you smiling? Why the fuck didn't you listen to me? Do him, man! Do him! What are you smiling at, huh? You want something to smile at, huh? You want something to smile at? You know? But see, that's the thing. He is as scared as he is. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And and just the the way she just broke down. You know what I'm saying? He's trying to hold on to the humanity, but man, it's right. you can't. Oh man! Right. And then Bunny was like, "You see, see, that's how they laugh at you. Right. He's laughing at you. Right. You know, can he even try to drag Bunny away? Come on, Bun. Yeah, come on, Bun. Let's get out of here. Nobody saw anything. O'Neal. Right. And, and Buddy's acting like he started to turn away, and then, bam, smacks him and just off. Oh, just terrible. And to see Sheen's reaction too, like he's just breaking down. It's like you ain't have to do that, man. Right. You, know? you see those ketchup yeah. spurts jumping up on everybody's face and helmet. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, it was awful. Man, just, oh, buddy, hey, talking bro. about mace. The see your head come open, man? The thing, the thing that really bothered me more than anything else in that particular instance, and all of it was horrible, you know, the, the treatment of, you know, the people living in the village, you know, shooting their pig, you know, which might have been, you know, a source of uh, food and also, you know, a way for them to make money, you know, maybe selling some of the pig meat, the pork, right? Mm-hmm. Um, burning down the huts, you know, the killing of the uh, the the uh, that that young kid. But mm-hmm. the thing that really bothered me more than anything else was the mother crying and saying, "No, no, no, please, 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 leave him alone." No, 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 no. And then they still bash his head in, and then she's just right. laying in the corner like, Cointos, just, def- just defeated. Yeah. And then later on, like you said, you know, when they get outside and you see. You know, Bob Barnes starting to really become unhinged and feeling like, okay, everybody is here is an obstacle for, for me completing my mission, including mm-hmm. women, children. And so he shoots that mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when yeah. she falls to the ground and then the little girls, no, 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 It's just like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, you awful right. motherfuckers. Yeah. 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 It was, yeah. And then he puts the gun to her head. And, yeah. And, you know, he's trying. VC, VC, it's just all oh, so intense. Oh my god! Man, one, one, of, oh, one, yeah. one of the things I, I didn't quite get in that moment, dude. I didn't. I don't understand. You know the depth of what uh, um, um, Lerner's character was about Johnny Depp. Like, how did he speak Vietnamese? Well, he's an interpreter. Like he has, like you have someone in the squad that can speak okay. the language when they were going around to these villages it's on just, patrol. It's, just, it's the right. same like in 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 World War Two, where they'd have someone who could speak French or Italian or German. German, yeah, right. so that way, if you capture somebody or if you're moving amongst you know uh different groups or whatever, you can you right. can still communicate, right? I guess, yeah, exactly. I, I guess for me, it's kind of a strange thing, man. Like, if to me, if you can talk to him, you can reason with him, you can reason with him, there's no need for a war. And I, I guess that's, that's my that's my naive way of looking at things. I, I feel as though, like, oh wow, 
Johnny, if he really speaks to this, and, and, and he's telling, like, obviously he's a, he's a he's a he's an American soldier, and he's trying to get the best intel for his for his people. But at the same time, it's like you, you can you can let them know, like, hey man, this this they're not doing anything. This this is a real thing. This is what they say. What they say they're doing is what they're actually doing. Because I can interpret that for you. Take my word mm-hmm. for it. These they're not they're not your enemy. But they didn't want to hear that because they're so they're so angry. They're so they, they need they need they need uh, um, a vindication for what's happened to them earlier. You know, and they're they're just going to take out anybody they possibly can. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and you know, and I thought this was the scene too that goes back to like that literary illusion, mm-hmm. you know, of you know Barnes as Captain Ahab. I also thought, in a way, this is kind of like mutiny on the bounty almost. Yeah, Barnes is like Captain Bly, mm-hmm. and then you got Elias once he comes to the camp, he's like the Fletcher Christian right. almost. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and and with Elias, they really play upon that um, uh, 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 Jesus reference too, mm-hmm. like. You know, the, you you notice the way when you know Elias comes in and kind of kind of stops everything for us. Things like Barnes, Barnes, right? And the villagers part kind of like before him as he's walking through them to get to Barnes, right? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then later on, after they have that tete a tete back in base camp, Barnes calls Elias a water walker. You know, mm-hmm. he's nothing but a water walker. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And you even see. Earlier in the film, in the opening scenes, uh, Elias has walked through the jungle with the M60 across his shoulders like a cross. Mm-hmm. So the illusions are there. Interesting. Interesting. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? That's pretty good. Which makes that culmination in that battle mm-hmm. that the uh, White was mentioning earlier, this on the poster, mm-hmm. the outstretched arms and everything, it culminates in that. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. But also, Elias's character as well, played by Willem Dafoe. Very Excellent. good. Excellent. Very good. Can, can, Very I, can, good. I, can I say one thing in, 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 sure. in, yeah, in, in pure humor? Sure. All of, all right. all of Willem Dafoe's, you know, his serious scenes and, and even the emotional ones prior to, you know, that, that final where he's, he ends up being killed. Mm-hmm. All of that was great. Even the, like the kind of almost Western-like showdown between he and Barnes in the jungle where they see each other. And right. he smiles because he thinks, okay, Barnes came back to get him. And, yeah, that's my boy. And okay. then Barnes, like, nah, 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 bah, bah, bah. nah. And then, you know, when the helicopter's mm-hmm. taken off, that's when you see him running through the jungle. He's being chased by the Viet Cong. Yeah, man. But I thought the whole arms, that was some crazy overacting, wasn't it? I mean, it was just like, oh. I just thought it was like even slowed down, which usually adds a certain amount of drama or impact. I was just like, right. All right. You know, all right. So, okay. <laughs> anyway, right. I, 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 maybe I'm the only one, maybe I'm the only one, but, uh, no, no, I mean, it, it does. I mean, it does seem very, very stage actory ish, you know, like to, to, to prove a point of how, of how bad you're taking the, the hit. Um, you would do that, like a, you know, as a, as a stage actor in plays, like you would over over dramatize everything. So I can see what you're saying, but right. it did have a, it did have a, it did have a feeling of okay, this is the last good man in Vietnam that's that's just not doesn't want to be on his own on his own volition, but he's doing the best he can to maintain his his his, his uh, humanity. And, and that's, that's, that's a very felt. good that's a very good yeah. point, D. That's a very good point that you know uh, after that. Pretty much everybody's got some dirt on them, some more than others, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was kind of uncomfortable when 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 uh, when uh, Sheen was get, was getting his first hit, and he puts that gun to his mouth. You know, he's like, "Go put put your mouth on it," you know. And then and he blows the smoke into his mouth, and it's like, "Okay, that's yeah, that's 
That's not too cool. But go ahead. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a, hey, that's a true shotgun. Hey, I do oh, want to say one other thing as it relates to iconic yeah. images. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe with arms outstretched is is from the poster, and that is, you know, probably the iconic image alongside, like you know, the uh, profile shot of. Uh, of Sheen with his, you know, with his helmet on, and it says, you know, bury mm-hmm. me upside down, so you know the world can kiss the my world ass. Can kiss my ass, yeah. But <laughs> I thought one other one other shot that uh, that that uh, Stone and his cinematographer chose, I thought was beautiful, was early mm. in the film when they're on kind of a, it was either a night or like a dusk patrol, and they're walking, and you see them all in silhouette, you know, in shadow and yeah. silhouette, and then you see the lightning strike behind them. <laughs> It was like, oh mm. wow, that was that was some Alex Toe shit right there. That was you know some what, uh, that was some Oh uh, Susanna. Yeah. Don't you cry for me. Yeah, you yo, know? yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. just it was just really, really a, a beautiful and pow- and powerful uh oh shot shot. But uh, what are you gonna say? I'm sorry. It's, no, no, it's funny because that, that scene there that you're talking about, it was great, except for that lightning. That lightning looked fake as hell to me, dude. Oh yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, was absolutely like, was, manufactured. I, yeah. I, I was like, what the hell? Like, oh, that little skinny, that little skinny lightning bolt for some little. <laughs> well, but you notice it, they, they they didn't stay on it for very long. It wasn't right, like the lightning right. was just crackling in the back. It was just like right, one right. time and then we're out. You know. Yeah. Pop, pop. Yep. <laughs> but man, uh, um, as far as far as like effects and stuff goes, man, and the, like it's just some of those long scenes in, in the film, in the film, in the film, the, the uh, or, or film by the uh, the DP. I also like man um, the sound effects. Like there's certain points where it's like there's this there's this like constant machine hiss in the background, man. It's like it was like wow, this was irritating. Dude. It was like this. I was like, who, was it somebody's, mo-? you know? And it's supposed to be, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah man. It's like it really the psychological effect of that was was just, was just was, you know, haunting, man. Yeah, and, and I thought it was a good choice as well that the way they mixed the sound too, like the effects were louder than the dialogue when mm-hmm. they were in the midst of the um, the battle, yeah. in the midst of combat. Yeah. That's how it was sound. Yeah. And they're having to yell over the din of combat. Yeah. It's like... Adjustment follows. You ignorant asshole! What the fuck coordinates you given? You waste a lot of people up there! With your fucked up fire mission! You know that! You know that! Ah, shit! Red leg! Red leg! Ripper Bravo 2! Put your man over there! You know, that type of thing. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, I I thought that that was very well done. Mm -hmm. And and, and I guess winding it down to, like, the the final um, act, you know, of the movie... You know that that final um, that final scene where the uh, North Vietnamese are making their attack on that base camp. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought that scene just really, really captured you know the eeriness of the jungle at night. Mm-hmm. You know, and almost you sense that did Taylor kind of get a sixth sense? You know, a sense like they're out there, mm-hmm. but. Everyone probably felt that way, being on edge. Everything is heightened, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And just feel like, I know they're out there. But when that first bunker, that first listening post in the jungle gets hit, mm-hmm. and the guy runs back to Taylor, <laughs> to mm-hmm. Taylor's fox, he's like, they're everywhere. They're right. all out there. Right. They're all coming after me. Ah! <laughs> Game over, man. Game wasn't over. That, wasn't that the lieutenant? 
Nuh-uh. That was somebody else. Okay. The okay. lieutenant was actually back in the camp. Okay. Yeah, deeper back in the camp. Okay. But, you know, and then Corey, t- <laughs> Corey Glover was like, come on, man. Come on, Taylor. Let's DD. Nah, man. I'm staying out here. I'm staying out here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know? Like, and they fight him off, yeah. man. Yeah. You get Taylor... He just comes to a point where it's like, look, I am dead already. Mm-hmm. Right. Let me just get out of this foxhole and I'm going to die like standing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just goes out and goes, a wild man. Yeah, man. And the Corey Glover's like, ah, me too. Right. And it's fucking beautiful. Ah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> like Tom Cruise and Taps. Oh, shit, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's fucking beautiful. Oh, God. <laughs> I was like, that's how Tom Cruise went out in taps. That's crazy. Shooting that M60. Ah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, man. But, um, <laughs> yeah, man. And then going to the final, final part, the showdown between Barnes and Taylor. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, my God. The sh- you talk about, like, shots that haunt, that shot where Barnes is over Taylor you ready to hit him with that shovel, that spade. Yep. Yep. And Taylor's like, no! And the airstrike is coming in from the plane. Say right? name, and you see the <laughs> fire in Barnes' eyes like, yeah. ah! Yeah. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. And everybody, everything, the airstrike hits, everything just goes white. Yeah, man. Yep. And, that, and that wasn't, that, and that, that wasn't Napalm either, because Napalm, Napalm would have fired the It would have burned all, burned all right. their asses up. You know? Yeah. Like, been, it would have yeah. took Sunday. Yeah. But yeah. well, Dale Dye, Dale Dye played the commander back in camp. And mm-hmm. so he said, drop it on my position. It's my decision. Right. It's a beautiful fucking war. I was just going to say, for some reason, I didn't know who he was, but I knew he wasn't an actor. Okay. Like, I knew there was something authentic about him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? In the same way with uh, the, uh, the the drill sergeant in Full Metal Jacket, who wasn't an actor yeah. at first. He was the consultant. And then they yeah. were like, this mm-hmm. guy's got character, and he's, he's got an odd look about him. And then they just let him play the part, and it worked. And yeah. he actually yes. had a career as a working actor pretty much playing that same character over and over again. But, What about the cameo of, 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 of said director, man? Oh, yeah. Oh, that was great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, that suicide dude right in there. Hey, hey, send him to my... Ah! That was awesome, man. I I loved uh, after they dropped, you know, after they basically lit him up, so, you know, just dumped everything, Mm -hmm. and Charlie Sheen wakes up, and again, you're reminded that this is a place and that people live in this place, Mm-hmm. And that animals live in this place because he sees mm-hmm. that deer. And so mm-hmm. you're reminded, okay, there's real life in here. Yeah. Other than you human beings, you know, shooting right. and blowing each other the hell up. There's right. real life in here. So I thought that was an interesting touch. It's like, wow, mm-hmm. okay. He sees the yeah. deer. And uh, mm-hmm. and then, like you said, when he when he gets up and he grabs the gun and, you know, and, you, know you see piles of bodies everywhere. Most of them dead, mm-hmm. some of them not, and the ones who aren't. You know, they're kind of crawling and trying to move. And then he sees Barnes crawling. And his Barnes like, hey, boy, go get a medic. Go get me a medic. Mm-hmm. Charlie Chin gives him that look. And he's like, I, I, I got your medicine right here. Right. He said, <laughs> do it. Do it. Pop, 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 pop. Just lit. Pop, pop, pop. That's it. That's it. The final four, yo. I just got his ass, The yo. final four. <laughs> <laughs> it's the final <laughs> <laughs> But you know what's interesting about that? Which what's interesting about that, Swiss, is that 
um, Stone was actually conflicted about should he have Taylor shoot Barnes. So he actually did shoot two endings. Okay. And it, even more to the point, Stone said in that memoir, he said even Martin Sheen contacted him and was like, Oliver, don't 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 let the boy shoot Barnes. Don't 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 let him shoot Barnes. Really? <laughs> yeah. Even Martin Sheen was like, don't let him shoot. Don't let the boy shoot Barnes. Don't 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 let him do it. And Stone was like, I, I, I wavered on it, but I went with what felt right. Right. So I went with the ending of him shooting Barnes. Right. You know, because it kind of brought closure to everything. And, and yeah. really, Barnes's character is a type to where he had, you know, um, Ra, you know, yeah. Francesco Quinn had said he's been shot seven times. Yeah. Shouldn't that tell you something about him? Yeah. You he, know, he yeah. Yeah. Fucking, the only thing that can kill Barnes is Barnes. Right. <laughs> and, and, and it did. You know, it did kill his ass. His attitude killed his ass. You know. Yeah, so that's what's up. I, yeah, I think too. Also, as 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 poetry and storytelling goes, mm-hmm. he was so terrible up into that point. You he couldn't live. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. There's a point for the audience where okay, somebody is just so so much of a son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be satisfied if he's getting on the chopper and going back to the hospital, and he's mm-hmm. going to be fine. Or you know, they all lift their hands and yay, we survive. No, 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 no. It just wouldn't have been satisfying at all for the audience. I mean, he had to go. Maybe not at Charlie Sheen's hand, mm-hmm. but he had to yeah. go. He, he definitely mm-hmm. had to go. Um, I wanted to ask you guys this. So mm-hmm. all right. from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, one of the things that I noticed was is, you know, the platoon and, and Charlie Sheen as Chris Taylor, he's kind of our protagonist. And so mm-hmm. even though none of them are great, None of them are really. Some of them aren't even really good. They're just some of them are just okay. But I mean, they're they're a pretty messed up bunch. But we right. spend most of our time with them throughout the course of the movie. We never right. see much at all from the vantage point of the Viet- North Vietnamese soldiers. We don't right. spend any time with the Vietnamese except when we get to the village scene, and that's mm-hmm. where we sit. Get a little bit of humanity. That's where we get a little bit of. Oh, fathers and mothers and human beings and right. and what this war is really the toll that it's having on the quote collateral damage, right? Uh, as it is, but I thought that that because you know even though we're with them, I didn't like being with them, but you know once mm-hmm. you're with them for so long, you know that's the storyline that you're that you're kind of uh, that you kind that you kind of follow you know it's like okay i gotta find out what happens to barnes i gotta ultimately right. find out what ha- oh wait a minute elias is still alive oh my god you know what i'm right. saying like you gotta yeah. you know and like d pointed out i guess elias was really the last and only good man you know as far as this goes and then we see sheen at the end when he does mm-hmm. finally shoot barnes that like you said that closure adrian where he has become that which you know he didn't think he was Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. and it actually is probably the birth of the the tagline for the movie, you know, where it says the uh, you know that the the first casualty of war is is innocence, mm-hmm. you know. Right. So you know the loss of innocence, the loss of thinking, you know, this could be an adventure and that this wouldn't be the most fucked up experience of your life, which it probably mm-hmm. probably was. But anyway, that wasn't really Absolutely. a question, but I was just I was just thinking about that. So. Yeah, um, man. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I, I felt. I felt. I felt it was. It was interesting as far as as far as um, uh, um, Barnes's character goes. Um, that he was this. He he was the soldier. Like he said. Like he said. He, he. I am this war. 
You know, I am this mm -hmm. war, and you you can't beat me. You know, yeah, I uh, am reality. Yeah, I'm re exactly. I am reality, and thanks, Adrian. And, and he and he comes in. And he's like, yeah, anybody, any any punks want to try me? Anyone want to try me? And of course, you know, Taylor feels like he has a, he's a shot. And he immediately, he's like, I'm drunk as hell right now. You can take me on. The six of you here, nobody nobody knows yeah. any, any difference. But this goes to show the 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 the. The amount of time he spent in the bush and the skills he became equipped with, no matter how fucking drunk he was, he was still ready to perform at his highest possible peak level without a bullet in him. And he did it. He put him down in no time, man. It was like, and he, he would have killed him. He, he could have killed my, him simply. My father was in the Army for four years, uh -huh. and right. we talked about uh, that scene in Stripes where the uh, drill sergeant <laughs> takes Bill Murray in the back and says, hey, look, you want to take a shot at me? And he says, yeah, I want to take a shot at you. And Bill Murray tries to punch the drill sergeant. Mm -hmm. Drill sergeant's probably, you know, twice his age. Right. Lays his ass out. And my father said, <laughs> he said, that's pretty much how most of those guys were. Didn't matter if they're yeah. big. Didn't matter if they're small. Yeah. Look, they, they, they have, there is an economy of movement that they will employ on your ass, and it will, it will be over. Yeah. So mm -hmm. don't play. And like you said, even drunk, don't play. I will dismantle you motherfuckers. Yeah. You will leave here looking like you were in a bloody ass fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'll leave here looking like me, as in bars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you, oh, man. You, I'm, I'm, I'm a warrior. I'm a seasoned warrior. You're, you're playing with this. I'm, I'm not new to this. I'm true to this, you know? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I had a couple of things I wanted to, uh, to, to bring up. Just uh, uh, a couple of tidbits, if, if we got just a quick, couple quick minutes. Sure. Uh, yeah, go for it, man. I thought Tom Berenger's southern accent was awful. I thought it was just awful. I was okay. just like, "Stop, Tom Berenger!" And whatever it's the it's the veracity of it. I, yeah. I, his, his it came and went. His yeah, performance I did, I did. was right. good, but his accent right. yeah. was like, "Ugh." But most people's right. southern accents, you know, as someone who lives in the South, most people's southern accents are like terrible. You know, when I hear them, and same thing with John C. McGinley. Whatever that was, he was supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. I was like. John, stop it, bro. Stop don't, it. Don't, don't do it. Hey, hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. The other thing I was going to say, okay, after uh, the final battle and the uh, and the uh, the backup shows up and they're cleaning up mm -hmm. dead bodies, why the brothers got to be the ones cleaning up all the dead bodies and dump all the dead bodies? <laughs> There's brothers everywhere. Just, I mean, all, that's that's their only duty. That's their only goal is to clean up, you know, dead soldiers. My God, I was like, it's fucked okay, up. Okay, yeah. that's that's not cool, right? Uh, and um, um, what was the other thing I was gonna mention? Um, oh, the uh, the two quotes that I liked mm -hmm. in the movie was uh was king well well the first was is is uh as uh uh tom uh charlie sheen's voiceover where he says i felt like a child born of these two fathers mm -hmm. you know talking about mm -hmm. elias and then talking about uh barnes barnes but then yeah. when he's talking with king later on who i think he had a genuine good ex good rapport with king when king says is Keep your pecker hard, your powder dry, and the worm will turn. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. You know, King and King King was that grounding for him, yeah. you know. And yeah. I, I thought it was fitting as well that King left. You know, I, I'm glad King wasn't there to get killed. Right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's yeah. my point earlier. Yeah. And, and and I don't I don't want and also 
I didn't feel like in this instance, I, I know people may look at King as kind of like being the the quote-unquote magical Negro, oh. yeah. you know, that we might see in other movies, but not in this instance. No. I, I, I don't I don't perceive him in this instance as that. No. Because, you know what I'm saying? But, I, but I mean, to your point, man, because there, there, because there were too many possibilities. Like, Forrest Whitaker was there. He easily could have mm-hmm. could have ran up, took that role home. Um, you know, um, you know, there were several contenders for that, that position, so... Well, the other thing, the other thing that removes King from being the magical Negro is, is he had agency. Right. He had his own story going on within the movie. You know, Mm -hmm. he constantly talked about wanting to get out of there and, you know, and, you know, like, in other words, he had agency as a person. He wasn't just Mm -hmm. there to dispel, you know, good advice and to, you know, to, to reign, you know, uh, uh, platitudes and, 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 and lessons in life to make, you know, Chris Taylor great. Right. He he talked about his own life and his own his own uh, um, intuitions and his own desires. So he had agency as a person. You know, you mm-hmm. I don't think you mm-hmm. get that from like a Bagger Vance kind of a character, or from some of Hell the no. other you know some of the other typical magical Negroes. At least not right. to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Good point. Yeah, definitely, definitely. No, it's just a side note, man. I mean, um, when it, when it came to the different camps, Camp Elias or Camp uh, Camp Barnes, you know. I can see the, the the validity in both sides. Like for me, I don't think I would have been there smoking 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 dope. You know what I'm saying? What would, would, would my thing? I might have been over another side chilling out reading a book. You know, read, you, know read, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just, I, I, yeah, you know, okay. I, I wouldn't have been dancing with a bunch of dudes close to close like that, dude. I would I would have been you know somewhere there chilling, <laughs> you know, listening to some bad country music and 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 but not but not 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 on Barnes' side. Either. I know Barnes is an asshole, but Barnes is also to the point where one of the characters man I thought was interesting. Barnes is not a, Barnes is not a great guy. But he's the ones who keep our asses alive over here. Yeah, you know yeah, they did, mm. they did say that at one point. Yeah, you know, so that yeah. That, yeah, that, yeah. that was my thing. You know, so yeah. you know, I, I I didn't like his ass, but he he served his purpose well. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I guess the, the the last note I would make too um, is is the soundtrack for the movie. Right. You know, um, and, and how limited it is. I mean, it's only like a, a few. A few songs, like you have known songs, like of course "White Rabbit" by Jefferson Airplane. That's my shit, yeah. Oh man, every time that comes up, I I I can't help every time that comes on. That's yes. Yeah, man, it's awesome. Man. Like, it, like you feel high listening to that. Mm-hmm. Like you feel like you're smoking a doobie yeah, out there. Damn, I want to get like, high. Oh, you know, I, I feel like I want to smoke exactly. some weed or uh, drop some acid. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, get lift. Get some hair on. This is great mix, man. With with uh, with White Rabbit and Sushi and the Banshees. Sushi, Sushi and the Banshees. Peekaboo. It's, oh yeah, it's fantastic, yo. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. You heard it before, Swain? I'm sure you have, man. Uh, no. No, but it sounds it sounds good. I'm gonna find it. I'll send it to you guys. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And and then you got you know uh, tracks my tears by Smokey Robinson and mm-hmm. the Miracles. Mm-hmm. You know, which which they they used a lot, especially in the trailer for Platoon, and and just so evocative of the period. Because at once it's it's a it's a catchy song, mm-hmm. but the tears really are the tears of going through this experience. Yeah, you know. So I thought that that was a great choice to overlay that, you know, on the trailer and also when they're back in camp, 
you know, partying or whatnot. They're having a good time, but it's almost melancholy too because it's in the midst of this war. Mm, it's right. in the midst of this experience. Right. You know what I'm saying? Smokey has, Smokey has some, some, some lyrics for your days, some, some, some songs for your ass back in the day too, man. Like, like, like Tears of a Clown, man. Tears of a Clown mm. is, a, is, a, is, a, is yeah. a, a really, really like, like heartbreaking song, dude. You know? It's like, wow, but, but he, sounds, he sounds so jovial when he sings it. But it's like, you're, what is he saying? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's how it sneaks underneath there. Smiles yeah. on my face just trying to fool the public. Wow. Okay. <laughs> hey, man. They, uh, an interview asked Bob Dylan who his favorite poet was, and Bob Dylan says Smokey Robinson. Wow. You know? So, I mean, yeah. you know, as, as lauded as Dylan is as a songwriter, he, was, he, yeah. like, he like everybody else, was extremely impressed with how uh, Smokey could turn a phrase and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and move you with it, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and then, then you have the, the theme that everyone knows and probably gained more popularity through the movie itself. You have Samuel Barber's Adagio for Strings. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. just that, that, that that classic piece that everyone probably knows now probably more so thanks to platoon than anything mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, at least for our generations mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and, and even um the composer uh uh george delarue you know the cue that he has you know with those um <clears throat> with those asian like clacks and drums and mm -hmm. so forth mm -hmm. like when they're in the jungle and you hear like those those flutes and mm -hmm. the uh, woodwinds and everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I thought that really was evocative of like the the mystery and the horror mm -hmm. and just the uh, eeriness being out there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like like the part where um, Elias you know takes on that North Vietnamese patrol by himself to turn off the flank or whatnot, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's just him. And he's skulking through the jungle, and he breaks into a run yeah, yeah. through the jungle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The music is just. Oh, it's just so good. And then we finally meets up with Barnes, mm -hmm. you know, in that show there. Across, across the water, of, yeah. Across mm -hmm. the swamp, yeah. Yeah, and Elias is just like, ah. Oh. Yeah. But you read it in the eyes. Yeah. You know, Elias' eyes drop like, oh, shit. And Barnes is like, I got you. Right. Mm -hmm. I got you. Yeah. And that's it. That's mm -hmm. it. Game over, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. So, yeah, man, I, I, you know, just wanted to give some appreciation to Platoon, mm -hmm. you know, on its 35th anniversary. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you haven't seen it, um, it is definitely one of those American cinematic experiences that you should see. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's on the um, 100 greatest films list from the American Film Institute, you know. And it's just one of the one of the greats. It it's one of the movies that I would say is truly an experience. Mm -hmm. It really, really mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. You know. So mm -hmm. you should definitely check it out. What, what what do you guys think is final thoughts? Oh hell yeah. Hell yeah. I mean it's the thing we're now, man, especially now more than ever, in this crazy time we're in with um 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 blaming you know um blaming people for their their their, their existence and and having no no kind of real reason to be doing it except for, except for um, uh, the claim that this is what it was you know what I mean like I'm, I'm saying in terms of how they're treating the, the Asian community right now how they get, they're, they're getting beat up and stuff you know yeah. because uh, you know quote unquote came from China <laughs> you fucking mm -hmm. orange monster you so yeah I mean that, that's that's um it's very appropriate at this point in time to see something in defense of of, of marginalized 
cultures. And, and uh, you know, it's not really truly that, that in of itself, but I, I think it's important to see that, you know, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a history of, of people that are caught up in situations they, they can't necessarily get themselves out of, you know? That's my yeah. summation. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't really have. I don't really have much to add. I mean, I agree with Adrian though. It is. It really is an experience. And and oddly enough, you know, like a lot of war films, um, this one holds up in terms of its viewability thirty five years later, partially because there's limited technology mm-hmm. out there in the field. You know, as you know, mm-hmm. if you're a soldier out in the field, I mean, you know, they dress kind of the same. They use a lot of the same. You know, uh, uh, weapons. They use a lot of the same communication tools. More advanced now, but mm-hmm. soldiers today yeah. don't look that much different from soldiers forty years ago, fifty, That's sixty right. years ago. That's so right. uh, you know, and it's only like you see the haircuts, you know, and you see the mm-hmm. moose haircuts, you know, from the eighties, and you see that where you get a sense of it. But other than that, you know, the language that they use and the situations, everything felt realistic. And I agree with Adrian. Uh, it really is an experience. It was much more visceral for me now, maybe because I'm getting more sensitive as I get older. It was much mm-hmm. more visceral for me to watch it now than it than it than it did when I first saw it year, years ago. And right. um, and I was also watching it from the eyes of someone who has a par- who is a parent and who has children and mm-hmm. someone who has family members who have served. You know, younger family members in addition to my grandfather and my father and my father-in-law. Um, yeah. So I was, you know, just felt it in a different way. So yeah, I, I definitely recommend, um, even if it's if 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 if, if military themed movies and war movies aren't your thing, um, mm-hmm. this is definitely one that lives up to the hype. For sure. Yeah. That concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.